Hi, my name is Roshan Langani, and welcome to Financial Independence with Roshan and Adrian. We're here to help you reach your financial potential and help you live the life you want to live. Uh, we are on episode two right now, really excited to be doing episode two, and we're breaking down Your Money or Your Life by Vicki Robin and Joe Dominguez, and we're on chapter two, episode two, chapter two. Uh, Adrian, you want to say hello? How's it going, Russian? Thanks again for having me on another one of your podcasts. I'm very excited to go over this chapter too. I'm really hoping some of our viewers can take away some personal finance tips, and I'm really excited to get another podcast going. Yeah, as am I. So let, let's get right into it. Did you? Uh, I didn't like chapter two as much as I like chapter one. I, I hate to uh, hate to say it, but I found it somewhat useful, but I, I not a, as much. What were your What were your thoughts overall? I actually had the opposite reaction. I kind of connected a lot more with this uh, chapter where it's talking about people's, you know, relationship to money and understanding, you know, their certain job situation and if, if they're making enough. And I, I connected a lot more with chapter two than chapter one. But I definitely uh, understand how people could get a lot more from the, the first chapter. But I definitely liked how they talked about the relationship people have with money today. So I definitely connected a lot more with this one. I think some people see that going through this podcast. Yeah, so the first, the first point I got that I really liked is uh, the section on what is money. That was, it was a big chunk uh, uh, of going about what is money, but the... Uh, their inter- their interpretation is it's something you trade your life energy for. You sell your time for money, and your time are the hours of your life, which is finite. Uh, I really like that point. Um, I'll I'll get to later on the part that I thought was not as helpful, and it may be a bias on my end. But I really like the point of your your money is your life energy. Yeah, definitely. I definitely um, agreed with that. And it's it's a really important aspect. That I think the authors were just trying to get their uh, readers to really understand that, kind of understand what you're doing throughout the day, that what you're doing, you're, you know, you're spending time and energy at your job to make money. And ultimately, are you enjoying that? Do you feel like you're making enough money? Because again, every the author highlights the most precious thing people really have is time in this world. And if you're spending that time, you know, you know, working constantly, you feel like you're not getting paid enough or you're not enjoying what you're doing. You're, you're wait, you're wasting, you know, your precious time that you have. So I thought that was a really important theme that the author was trying to highlight to the readers that, you know, you need to understand and value that the time that you have on hand. So I definitely thought that was a, that was a really interesting part. And that's kind of where I started connecting a lot more with this chapter than the first chapter. That's so true. You can make uh, more money, but you can't make more time, right? Once your time is spent, it's gone. Once your money's spent, you can get some more. Definitely, definitely. They talked about how money is kind of like a water or a river. It like flows in and out of your life where your own personal time just flows out. It can't flow in where, you know, money, currency, assets can just flow in and out throughout your whole life. It's it's just a process. Yeah, and you want to make sure you use both. That's another one I like is where you hear people say, uh, don't uh, spend your time, invest your time. 
Yeah, so definitely. I, I need that. Definitely. Sorry about that. I was just saying to me that means uh, make sure you spend your time as wisely or really even more so than you spend your money. Definitely, I agree. Um, so they, they then break down the uh, four levels of misunderstanding with money. I've got that in the notes. I really didn't want to spend too much time on it. But uh, what I did like, though, later on uh, continuing is they said, what makes you happy buying a car or a day at the beach? And the reason I thought that was so interesting was because they then said with the um, the three years and I wrote five years of payments uh, make you happy. Yeah, definitely. And it also comes down to definitely perspective where you, it's always different between um, between each person. And I thought that was also connecting back to chapter one where everyone, and they talked about again, chapter two, we have to find that level of enough because there's always going to be wants. You can, you can never obtain more. You're always going to keep needing more where you just need to find that level enough or you're just, you know, whenever you're bored or whenever, you know, you need some external solution to help you with something going on internally, you always um, seek out material, material, material uh, products and services. Yeah. The, the, talking about the point of enough, they had said how, um, their definition of financial independence is having enough and then some and enough varies by individual. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Again, it definitely comes back down to that per perspective level where, where it comes down to the, to the individual. I hundred percent agree. Yeah, well, what's interesting about this, this is where I, I differ a little bit with what I've seen or heard or even thought personally in the past. Uh, looking at financial independence for me, I was more thinking of, or like I said, Reddit, seen it elsewhere, is about having, um, uh, is about having enough in assets where you can live off of the income and not, not touch the principal. Now that's, that also varies by individual. You know, some people, when I do a financial plan for someone, for example, I just want to make sure they have enough till age 100. So they do, you know, they can dip into principal along the way, as long as they have enough till, till that age. Uh, I don't want them to run out of money, but I just personally like the thought of if you're able to live off of the income and never really touch the principal at all, uh, which varies from their have uh, enough and then some. Definitely. Do you ever run into a problem where it's like over budgeting or over saving? If you always plan for it, everyone living up to a hundred, you ever like run into like issues or problems or like oversaving where they could, you know, take that vacation they want, but maybe they were just being too conservative at the time. I think that's the constant uh, struggle that most people deal with. Uh, the reason I look at age 100 is I don't want uh, them to run out of money in retirement. And um, most people won't make it to 100. It's less than a, well, it's less than a quarter of people that do, uh, but I, I see that all the time. I recently was speaking to a client who said um, she wished she knew she had enough earlier and she would have spent more money on travel, actually, in particular. So that that's the struggle that I think everyone deals with, with should they spend right now or save 
Um, there is a financial planning answer, which is if you've saved enough or, or and you're on track towards your goal, you could uh, you can then spend what's what's left. Uh, however, there's so many assumptions involved that it's not an exact science either. Yeah, definitely. And I think you just touched on one of like the biggest themes in your money or your life where the author is just trying to make the reader aware that you could be financially independent right now. You could have enough money for that vacation or, you know, your your hobbies. But if you if you do the steps, you might realize that you're financially independent now. Or if you're not, you 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 can set a time frame where you can be again just highlighting people when they can become financially independent when some people may not even know today that they are in their you know spending their life energy for money right now when they when they could be financially independent and draw back a little bit I actually touched on another interesting point sometimes people have enough and they know they have enough however they don't know what they want to do or what they're going to do with their time so they um uh, so they then just continue working, thus spending more of that life energy. Uh, sometimes they they like what they're doing. Sometimes they don't. They just don't know the all. They don't know what the alternative uh, will be or what they'll do with their time. Yeah, definitely. I hundred percent agree. Yeah, and another one of their points. They said winning isn't having the most toys. It's having precisely what you need and nothing. In excess. Now, later on, this is one part I I disagreed with. Where, but later on, they said having enough and then some. I feel like you need a little bit in excess of what. To me, having what you need is the bare minimum. You know, food, clothing, shelter, that kind of thing. But I do think we need to keep some room for uh, for wants. I agree with their point earlier in chapter one that uh, wants are never ending, but. Um, I think to a certain degree, there are certain standard of living items beyond just having the minimum that um, I personally would want to afford myself. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, your your next point kind of plays into that where it says men do not desire to be rich, only to be richer than other men. I I actually like, really like that part a, a lot in the book. And it, and it makes sense. You know, it's very like relative and it all comes down to perspective, you know, having more than just maybe your neighbor or something. It's, you know, people are constantly comparing, you know, their cars to someone else or their homes or their, you know, in the beginning of the chapter talks about how big is yours and it caught the whole audience by surprise. And the seminar speaker is talking about how big is your paycheck, you know, making more than somebody else. It's all depending on um, who you compare yourself to or basically, the, your your social circle or you know your your colleagues or your friends yeah i mean keeping up with the joneses right i, I think that that will never uh, make you happy definitely definitely it was definitely a big point in this uh chapter two that um i thought was very interesting yeah and i love that quote as well i'll, I'll just repeat it uh what you said but men do not desire to be rich only to be richer than other men I, it also speaks to, to competition like you're uh competing with others but for what purpose there's and that earlier made point winning isn't having the most the, the most toys you, know, you could be competing giving that life energy up so that you know when you see these other people you feel like you have as much or more but maybe you're not happy inside 
Yeah, definitely. You definitely the author is just trying to make you aware and see what kind of level you are. And maybe if you are a person that's constantly comparing like your wealth and your assets and everything, you're going to hit that point in the fulfillment curve where, you know, you'll never reach that enough point. And if you never reach that enough point, you'll never be content and you can never get rid of maybe the clutter in in your life or pull back on some of the wants that you really don't need, or you get at the time and a week later you're bored, bored with it, or you figured out you just, didn't need it. Yeah, you're constantly running on the treadmill. Definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, next point when you're financially independent, the way money functions in your life is determined by you and not your circumstances. So um, to me, this, this leads to a lot of people say, well, I can't earn less or I can't work less. I can't do what I, what I want because I need, need the money and that just uh, you're making a dying, not making a living as opposed to even the reaching financial bliss. Definitely. And it kind of draws out the word freedom in this aspect where, you know, you're financially independent and the the way money functions in your life is determined by you. That right there is to me a, a sense of freedom where you're more in control and drawing back what they say, you're more in control of where your life energy is. You're spending it more on stuff that you know is going to make you happy. It's going to, you know, make you feel more positive throughout the day. And you're feeling like you're, you're getting a lot more out of it other than people that are sometimes in not controlling their life energy because they're always working nine to five, nine to five constantly and not feeling like, you know, they're making enough or saving enough, you know, paycheck to paycheck. So this definitely draws out the word financially independent or um, freedom, in my opinion. So I definitely connected with that point, too, a lot in this chapter. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I thought this was a great, great point. Now, they move on to step two, which is they call being in the present, tracking your life energy. Uh, the first part of it is establishing the actual cost of the time and money required to maintain your job. Um, uh, and um, commute, uh, compute, excuse me, your real hourly wage. What was interesting to me on this is they said, your hourly wage is not what they pay you per hour. You've got a minus from that, your commuting costs, any clothing you need for work, other costs associated with your job, even as simple as, as eating lunch, and all that eats into what you're actually earning. And then they touch on a few stories where people, after doing this computation, figured out, well, if they worked closer to home, they could earn less. Or if they did the the job that they wanted to do where they they would earn less money, they could actually afford to do that because some of these costs, uh, other costs would go away. That concept I really like. I hadn't seen that one before. Yeah, definitely. I found this part uh, really interesting. And I guess it's definitely... Uh, connects more with uh, millennials where, you know, sometimes they're like working almost like 60, 70 hours, you know, trying to pay off, you know, student loans or the credit cards and everything. And not only are they like um, working constantly, but they're also losing time just commuting from work, you know, spending money on food because maybe they don't have time to come home and cook. So it definitely lists out a bunch of stuff that you need to be aware of because, you know, your salary is not what's going to, you know, cover all of your, your expenses. You may think you're saving a lot more than you actually are. So 
I think this is putting it more into a, a real world perspective. And I kind of, I kind of was drawn a, a little bit back when I first, because I thought it was very, very like tedious, you know, when you're just calculating so many hours and, you know, it's not like you're going to get like an exact result, but I definitely, um, I definitely agree that, you know, you know, meals, uh, your clothing, your communing, even decompression where, you know, you might not be in the office yet, you know, you're, you're, you got your work on your mind constantly when you're home is all factors that people need to be, be aware about that their jobs may give them. Yeah. And that, well, you touched on why at the beginning I said, I didn't like this as much as the, the first one, because I thought the level of, um, uh, how deep they were going with calculating some of this thing to me reached the point where I don't know if people would actually, actually do it. In my experience working with my clients, if I told them they gotta, they've got to do this with their job or their next point is, is, is to track every cent and they want you to get to the penny without rounding. They want you to track every dollar, excuse me, not dollar, every cent that comes in and out. I don't, in you know, I, almost 20 years of, of being in this business, I've literally had one client that for a few years tracked every cent. Um, and if I ask people to do that, they're not, I don't think they're going to move forward with, with stopping, starting to save towards their goals. So a lot of times I'll be in a meeting with a client and we'll have to figure out, uh, we try to figure out what they're spending because we use that to project their retirement. And then I want them to start saving. If I try to get them to go down to every penny, a lot of people won't reach the point of starting to save because we're either not going to get the data or it's going to cause them to freeze up. Yeah, I agree. And I, I definitely understand drawing back to like every penny is definitely not realistic nowadays. But I, I understand the importance of it. I understand how getting down to the penny, honestly, if everyone did that, there would be a lot more people that are financially independent. But again, you know, people work like 50, 60 hours a day. It's hard to track like everything that's going on, especially people that have family, kids and uh, working two jobs or something like that. It's, it's really hard to keep track of all that, especially going down to every penny. So I definitely, I definitely, um, I definitely agree with how um, important this can be, but it's definitely very difficult sometimes. Yeah, and they do talk about how they let uh, some people, I think the exercise would be valuable of tracking all your expenses. And when I will sit down with the client to project their, their retirement, we will try to create a budget, but we definitely go with, with uh, estimates. I know it's not perfect. I just don't think I can ever get perfect, perfect data. If people could do this, it would be great. I guess I just don't see how practical, uh, practical it is. Now, I'm going to have the notes online. There are also some great uh, money talk questions that they, that they have, which I think are very, uh, very useful to, to look at. But the, the notes will be on the website, Retire with Roshan, and we will continue with Chapter 3 on our next episode. Um, Adrian, are you seeing anything in, in the uh, uh, current events or world or real-world real entertainment, sports, anything that, that's worth noting going on this week? 
Yeah, I definitely uh, found something very inspiring. It was an article on how Jay-Z reached his billionaire status. And as a, a young up-and-coming uh, advisor, entrepreneur, I thought it was really great how the article highlighted he achieved this status by not exclusively being a musician. So this really can connect to everyone, whatever your job title is or whatever you, you do for work. If you really want to, you know, make a lot of money or have savings or reach financial independent or in his case, be a billionaire, you have to have the article highlights seven different sources of income that are flowing in and out. Obviously, it'll take a long time to get. Some people may get four or five, but having different sources of income are really are really big. Jay-Z was not just focused on his record label uh Rockefeller. He also had um, investments in Uber. He had real estate. He had so many different investments that he had that just generate so much income for him. So to me, I got this. I got out of this is you know, having a salary is great. Working your job is fantastic and definitely build up a lot of savings for you. But maybe look into some of your like your hobbies or side projects that you have that one day potentially could be a, a revenue source for you will will definitely always be beneficial. So I thought that was very interesting telling people to just don't categorize yourself in such a small area. Always look into like broadening your horizon, more revenue streams, more more anything where it can make you more of a diverse individual. Yeah, and you've got to invest that money. I mean, you're talking about the seven streams of income, um, multiple streams listed there meant he saved money and invested it into something. Whether the, you mentioned the real estate. Um, so in theory, and I, I don't know the, all the exact data, but he's making money off of his uh, recording business, taking that money and buying real estate or putting it into Uber, in, you know, investing it somewhere. So, so yeah, I, I definitely think that is a, that's a great point. Uh, are you seeing anything else out there? Um, I actually came across this uh, a, a quote a bunch of times. If you don't mind me uh, reading off, it's it's appeared over like LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, a lot of millennials have been uh, connecting a lot more with it. It's the one where you have eighty six thousand four hundred in your account, and someone stole ten dollars. Would you be upset by it? You know, that's a lot of money, and someone takes ten. Maybe you wouldn't be too upset about it, but they're connecting that money amount to real life saying, um, what if you have 86,400 seconds in every day, so don't let someone negative 10 seconds ruin the rest of your day. And this really pulls up to productivity, whether, you know, you're in a traffic jam and you're going to let that outcome for, uh, affect your work for the rest of the day, or you maybe get into an argument with your significant other, or, you know, your, your phone break, you can't let those 10 seconds change the whole outcome of your day, being productive, achieving your goals. So I, I definitely connected with this. And it's it's something that I've seen appear all over social media that's definitely very important that people should know about. Yeah, I think that's that's a great one. And it fits in um uh fits in really well um with this chapter talking about your life energy. Like if something if you had a negative interaction that takes up 10 minutes of your, of your day, and then you spend the next three hours thinking about it, you've made that take even more of your life energy. 
Yeah, definitely. And the author is trying to get everyone to understand that you are the one that's in control of your life energy and how you spend it is really important whether you're going to have a positive aspect on life. If you're enjoying what you're doing, you have to always be conscious on how you're spending it because it's how you make money. It's how you, you become happy. It's how you achieve your goals. It's, it's very important. And like how I touched on early in the podcast, it's it it flows it can't it only flows out it doesn't flow in like water it it only flows out you can never get your life energy back so if you spend your whole day off of one tiny negative thing that happens then you, you you're wasting valuable time that you have that is definitely true um i saw a couple things i thought was interesting just related to money in the the real world one is i know you're a big uh big Kevin Durant fan and he just passed up uh I believe it was 31.5 million dollars he declined his player option and they're saying he could sign a long-term deal in Golden State for 221 million or go elsewhere for 164 million so Adrian someone offered you 221 million dollars could you or uh, could you pass that up to take 164 and move, or is that so much money that it just doesn't matter anymore? I think that's uh, it. Definitely, honestly, comes down to individual. But for me, you know, my 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 family always like told me when there's like a large sum of money, if you can take it today, just take it today because you you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow's never guaranteed, and that's definitely a large sum of money. I definitely agree with his decision. I definitely agree with it. Maybe just holding off a little bit more. But for me, I'd obviously would have taken the deal right away, you know, because again, tomorrow's never guaranteed. You never know. And definitely more injuries. Your injuries could get worse. That's one that he's been dealing with. You know, you never know. And it could change overnight, but it's definitely something you have to think about. And he's probably has over like a hundred people he's consulting with about this. And I'm pretty sure they're leading him in the right direction. But if you were one of those people and he called you and he could get $57 million more dollars to sign with the Warriors versus 164 to leave, so 221 versus 164, you would tell him take the 221? I mean, personally, I, I would, but I understand how the other aspect of it is definitely a lot better. I mean, that is just like a crazy amount. I'm still shocked. I didn't know about it was that much, so. I definitely understand what he's doing. That's incredible, though. I know when you bring up injuries, too, I think uh, I was really on the fence when my first question was is when it's so much. I mean, it's just crazy, but the money, the numbers are so big. They're just numbers at this point. You can't think of them almost as dollars. But when you bring up the point of injury, I think you've swayed me where I would tell him to sign it. I saw one other thing that I thought was interesting that you, that you, uh, uh, mentioned to me a few weeks ago, they asked uh, Dana White, who's the president of UFC, if he's been talked to about promoting a fight between Tom Cruise and Justin Bieber. And he said that he doesn't think it'll happen, but he hasn't been approached by to talk about it. And he said it would be the highest ever. So I had to look this up, the highest ever. The most pay-per-view sales ever was Floyd Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao for 4.6 million people bought it 
I don't know what that pay-per-view was, but let's just say it was a hundred dollars a person that'd be $460 million. Um, do you think Tom Cruise and Justin Bieber in a fight could have 4.6 million people pay a hundred bucks a piece for it? I, I, I don't think it might get to that number, but I understand how people say it could reach that because if you think about it, Justin Bieber and Tom Cruise getting into an octagon together, it's basically like a live action movie that you, you, can't, you can't miss. It's blowing up all over Twitter and all over social media. So I definitely see like the value over it. It's something that it's like a one, once in a lifetime thing you can't miss. And, and if they market it right, it, it would be so phenomenal. It would be very interesting to, to see. You know, it's not like these two, one person you know a lot about and somebody that you kind of know a little bit about. These like two celebrities are always in the spotlight who people talk about, who, who each of them have like millions of fans. That I, I would see it getting close to that. And it definitely would be very interesting. And I know it'd be, it'd be something very easy to market to. Yeah. Yeah. I think they would, I, I don't, I don't think they'd cross that number, but I think they'd make a ton of money. That's for sure. And I imagine they'd probably be going to some kind of charity. Although if, if uh, I was one of them and getting punched in the face, I'd probably want to get paid something, something for that, not just give it all to charity. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think they caught Justin Bieber and asked if, who do you think would win? He actually said me, Tom Cruise would probably be able to beat me, honestly. But there'd be so much money into it. I, I if I was if I was him, I would definitely go along with it. And it's going to charity, you know, might as well. Yeah, might as well, uh, might as well do it. I'm, I'm sure that they'll, they'd make a lot for uh, whatever charity. So, Adrian, what, what did you learn? What, what, what's new this week or of note? Anything, anything that you'd want to mention? I mean, the biggest thing again was that, like that ten, that ten seconds, ten dollars thing that I definitely got about that. Definitely connected it more, and I'm trying to use it more and more as um, I'm going on throughout the work week and it's definitely beneficial and it, it will definitely help my productivity. I'm just, you know, I'm always open to anything that will make me like more productive and make me want to chase my goals more and more. And that's why, you know, I think looking up quotes on social media is like a, it's something I like to do on like my downtime. And, and I like, um, you know, set, taking screenshots and sending it to my, to my friends and getting like their own opinions on it. And just, you know, sharing all the stuff I think is like good content that helps, you know, my life, you know, and just share with my friends so I can get their input on it as well. Yeah, I, de I really like that quote also. And it was it fits in really well with what we're uh, what we're talking about this week. Well, to everyone listening, thank you very much for joining us. We'll have chapter three next week. Any questions, topics, ideas, please send it to us. You can reach out to us on uh, Twitter at Roshan Langani. And Adrian, what is your Twitter handle? Uh, my Twitter handle is AdrianKN382. Perfect. And uh, anyone that's listening that wants to connect or share any thoughts or ideas, we'd love to, love to hear them. And we will be back next week.